episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected is brought to you by Bridgeside Medical Clinic, Chesapeake Integrated Behavioral Healthcare, and Edgar Casey's ARE. Now more than ever, we have an opportunity to be a positive force in the world, to help heal the divide, to treat each other and ourselves with respect. But with so many tools out there, from meditation to physical training, proper nutrition, therapy, and so many others, we all need a little help navigating all the options. Join us as we share in-depth information, insights, and thought-provoking discussions that will help answer your questions about how to stay calm, cool, and connected during these times. Welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected, your guidebook to peace of mind. Hello, and welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected. I'm your host, Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick. Dialectical behavioral therapy has been gaining a lot more popularity over the years as a really helpful therapeutic approach for learning skills to regulate emotion, increase problem-solving skills, improve interpersonal skills, and so much more. And while many people have heard of the term DBT, based on conversations with my clients and other people that I know, it's not necessarily completely understood. So here with us today is Emma Grant, a licensed professional counselor, who's going to help us to better understand DBT and why it's such a valuable therapeutic approach. Hi, Emma, welcome. Hi, Liz, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. So before we jump in, let's talk a little bit about your role in the mental health field. What exactly do you do as a mental health therapist? Yeah, so I've worked in the mental health field for about 10 years. I've been a licensed therapist for about six of those years. What I say I specialize in is life transitions. So I work a lot with older teens moving into adulthood, young adults moving into kind of more stable adulthood, talking through marriage, career changes, et cetera. I also work a lot with postpartum um, anxiety, depression, veterans transitioning out of military service and into civilian life. And so that's a little bit of what I do. I work a lot with individuals. I'm exploring some couples counseling, seeing how that goes. Okay, great. So you're really across the board, but it sounds like a lot of what you do is the transitional piece of that. Okay, so tell us a little bit. Let's First, talk about what is DBT. Help us to understand what is this therapeutic approach? Yeah. So I actually think the definition of dialectical is the most informative to explain what it is. Dialectical means using logic and reason to find truth when things feel in opposition to each other. So if I'm feeling angry and sad or angry and glad, how do I find resiliency in that? How do I find the ability to apply those to my life and move forward? What DBT does through structured skill building and insight ultimately teaches us to balance what we can change and accepting what we can't change and learning to live in that tension. Okay, which is, to your point with the life transitions, is probably a big part of the work that you use there. Very much so, very much. And I I talk to my clients a lot about finding that and, right? So both can exist. And that's exactly what you're describing, that we can be in this logical state and make space for the emotional piece of it. Why is DBT helpful? Like from your experience of using it with your clients, what is the value of this approach? The value of it is in in ultimately learning to appreciate our emotions and what they're trying to do for us without letting them, what I say, drive the bus, without letting them take charge. Being able to have a feeling, but also think through it logically, rationally, and ultimately being able to come to wisdom in how we move forward in relationships, in the workplace, in our own trauma recovery. Sure. And that's a big part of the DBT is about combining 
that the emotional mind and the logical mind to find the wise mind. And so as you're saying, finding that in between to allow that wisdom to be what's driving the bus. But I know that DBT is really founded in skills. And so that's a big part of, as I mentioned in the intro, skills about regulation or problem solving. Tell us about the skills piece of DBT. Yeah, so the skills of DBT, the formal development from the developer of it, Marsha Linehan, she broke it into four categories. There's mindfulness, which is ultimately teaching us to channel our attention, use our attention on purpose to identify what we're feeling, what we're thinking, building that awareness. There's distress tolerance, so learning to cope with something I can't change that is overwhelming. Emotional regulation, learning to feel what I feel, but also change what I feel, channel my emotions in a more positive direction. And then interpersonal effectiveness is all of those relational skills, learning to assert a boundary with respect, learning to be validating, be be considerate in our conversations with others. Which is all so connected because when we're not mindful, we're often on autopilot, meaning our behaviors are on autopilot. And when we don't know how to regulate, that so frequently impacts our relationships and the quality of them. And so that, I mean, the skills really are all interrelated and all create value across someone's, the whole spectrum of someone's life. Absolutely. Who do you find DBT to be most? Is there a certain population that you find it to be most effective for? I honestly have not found it to be ineffective for anybody. I think everybody can benefit from DBT to some extent. I do find those that benefit maybe the most from it are ones that have clients who have had a background where they haven't had a lot of validation. Maybe their parents didn't do emotions well, didn't express their thoughts and feelings well. And so as children, they grew up not knowing how to do that. And so there's a lot of learning to be done as an adult. Yeah. But I think every, every symptom, every condition can benefit from DBT in some, some way. No, I love that, though, because that emotional neglect piece that is has been less talked about up until recently in the mental health field. It's often so much about what has happened to somebody versus what didn't happen. And so that the nurturance and that emotional connectivity between a parent and a child when that's missing, I think that's a great point. People often then don't know how to effectively regulate into adulthood. Exactly. So how might you help somebody Give us an example of maybe one or two of these skills of how maybe somebody comes to see you, they're struggling, maybe they're explosive. What are maybe some ways you might help? Yeah. So one skill I find really helpful falls kind of under the mindfulness category, especially when we're dealing with high anxiety, racing thoughts, intrusive thoughts. The idea of being able to focus our attention. I use the analogy of like like a camera lens. When we zoom out with a camera, everything is an equal focus. With our thoughts, every thought would be an equal focus. Sometimes it's beneficial to zoom in, to focus in on one specific thought, feeling, experience, and let everything else fade to the background. Let everything else become kind of blurry, if you will. And where do you find this to be most helpful for somebody? Which, by the way, that makes so much sense because when you're trying to focus on everything at once, Mm -hmm. it's so overwhelming and which then creates a lot of that emotional reactivity. Yeah. What do you find the value of that particular skill to be for somebody? So again, kind of mostly people that are experiencing overwhelm, anxiety, this idea that I have to tackle everything all at once. We are not good multitaskers. We're not wired that way. We really do need to focus in on one thing at a time. Also clients who have a lot of intrusive thoughts. They have a lot of things popping in that 
you know, maybe it's messages from childhood, messages from bad relationships, and everything feels equally important. Sometimes being able to sift through what really matters, whose opinions, whose advice, whose feedback really counts, and can you focus in on that? Yes, I love that. And what about one other skill that comes to mind? Another one I use a lot is radical acceptance, which isn't necessarily like identified, like there's not an acronym for it or anything. But this idea that there are things in life we can't change. There are things in life we have to accept for what they are. And so being able to, sometimes there's a temper tantrum, there's anger that comes from that, there's grief and loss, there's mourning that comes from that. But being able to acknowledge that there are things that I'm going to have to accept in order to move forward more effectively. Which is so hard. Matt, I talked to a lot of my clients. I mean, I say it on, on here all the time as well, circle of control. And yeah. we can learn that the things inside the circle we can influence and the things outside we can't. And coming to acceptance of that is really hard. Um, exactly. You just want to control everything. So. Exactly. Yeah. So with the skills group, tell me about that, a virtual DBT skills group. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, so traditional DBT falls into kind of two treatment categories. There's individual therapy where we do a lot of the processing and insight building, but there's skill groups that's more psychoeducational, more like a class where you're going and learning about each of the four different skill categories, the fancy little acronyms that describe everything. The one that I facilitate is online. There are lots that are in person also for adults, for teens, being able to go through and kind of go through a structured lesson in learning and applying these skills. And the great thing about you facilitating the virtual one is that often, at least in our area, DBT groups can be really hard to find, can be really hard to get into. They're often and waiting lists. And so by you offering the virtual format of it, it really, it opens it up to people nationwide. It open wherever anyone is, they can join you virtually, which really gives people more options. Yeah, the, the online platform has totally changed mental health and made it so much more accessible. Where can people find you? So if somebody's interested in signing up for the group, where can they find more information? So going to EvolveCounselingAZ.com, that's the site for the, the company that you and I work for. Sure is. <laughs> that's where we run the groups through. That's where people can sign up. They can get more details. My social media is also a way to, you know, touch base. I can give you that information more directly at Resilient Health Counseling. And Perfect. you can be able to set it up that way. Okay. So, so tell us again your social media handle. It's at Resilient Hope Counseling. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Emma. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Liz. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of Call and Cool and Connected. Please make sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram, and also make sure to rate or subscribe to our podcast so that others can discover our content as well. Thank you again for joining us on this episode of Call and Cool and Connected.